0: Now, fight back with Libby's Nimer on Zoomer Radio.
1: Good afternoon and welcome. It's a crisis, at least here in Toronto, and uh, it will only get worse given what's going on in the United States and around the world. Last year, there were nearly 48,000 people claiming asylum. In Canada, and that's more than double the 23,600 claims in the previous year, according to the UN High Commissioner for Refugees. Um, Many of them come here to Toronto. The city is currently housing 3,200 refugees, and yesterday the mayor said we can't continue to do that without emergency help from the federal government.
0: We have exhausted our available sites, our resources, and our personnel. The same state of affairs was recently declared by the Government of Quebec in respect of Montreal. And we need the other levels of government to step up and assist Toronto in a true partnership. And I would say that primary leadership and partnership role in that regard rests with the Government of Canada.
1: Okay, so Tory says that housing, the refugee claimants will cost Toronto $64.5 million by the end of the year, plus an additional $6.3 million to open emergency shelters. Now, Conservative MP Michelle Rempel, the critic for immigration, refugees, and citizenship, has issued a statement. She says a big part of the problem is the federal government's mismanagement of the file. We expect to talk to her any time now, but I want to open up the lines. Uh, Do you agree with that? The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-744-740. So uh, is this a matter that the government has mismanaged uh, the uh, refugee file, or is it a function of uh, what is happening around the world? Uh, we know that there are 65 million Refugees around the world, displaced people around the world um, here in Toronto, as we said, there are thirty two hundred that we are currently housing uh, the refugee shelter, the shelter system is at a breaking point Bob, and there are eight hundred people who are in uh, their um, in dorms, and uh, that 's a very, very uh, small uh, Band-Aid solution, because come August,
2: school, right?
1: school is coming back, and uh, they're no longer going to be able to stay there. Uh, and another interesting wrinkle, we're going to be talking to Adam Vaughn, the MP, former city councillor, and he's promising that the federal government will help... Uh, but um, he said they can't do anything till the new government is in power. So I'm, I'm anxious to hear mm. why that is. Uh, what do you make of it?
0: I think it, it has to be a little bit of a combination in terms of just the situation around the world. And then in terms of uh, who's mismanaged this, you would still seem to think it would have to be as far as levels of government. Uh, It would have to be Ottawa who has to uh, answer for this. But then, again, it's the whole thing. To what degree is it uh, the situation with all the refugees around the world looking for somewhere to go? And then you also have uh, the government and how it's handling or not handling this this well. You know, who knows what the exact ratio of the, the situation is?
1: Okay, uh, let's take a couple of calls, Bob. Um, we've got Louise in Etobicoke. Hi, Louise. Hi, good
2: afternoon. Uh, so, quick comment. Um, so, the situation that we have is, I guess, started when uh, Trudeau welcomed uh, uh, refugees from around the world with warm, uh, with open arms on behalf of all Canadians. Uh, so, uh, yes, he made the announcement, and they came. So, I think that the uh, Twenty-five and fifty thousand uh, Syrians. I think that was more planned. I think that it was uh, better, uh, better thought out. But the recent uh, influx, uh, which we've read about, is primarily um, the Nigerians appearing at our border uh, without any documentation whatsoever. Now we know that the the uh, the uh, many of most of the refugees are flying into the U.S. first, the Washington, New York, or Houston, and Homeland Security would never allow them in without their passport, visa, and money. And yet, by the time they take the bus to the Quebec border, uh, they have nothing with them. So, obviously, they've destroyed all their documents or at least had given them to someone who will give it to them when they get here um so by just allowing people in without a pre screening so we have no idea of people coming without any documents without any uh passports for example well, we have no idea who they are if they have a criminal record if they are good if they are not good which is why we have canadian embassies and consulates around the world to do the pre screening so that people can apply Uh, and go through the regular channels so that we know who's coming into the country. So the influx uh, is because Trudeau, from the federal level, is the one who welcomed, he should now figure out how he's going to provide the support and not just allow people to flood into Toronto, the most expensive city in the world.
1: Okay, Louise. Yes. Thanks for your call. My Uh, Uh, We are now going to uh, bring in Michelle Rempel, the conservative critic for immigration. And and Michelle, our caller agrees with you that a big part of this problem uh, is Justin Trudeau's tweets.
3: Well, it's certainly been a frustrating year and a half to watch Canada's once orderly and planned immigration system to sort of devolve into this situation where we're now talking about Toronto's homeless shelters being overcapacity. And I think the number that I saw today was close to 4,000 people who are, are recent asylum seekers after, you know, illegally crossing the border. And to me, you know, it's not compassionate for leaders of our country to, you know, do these hashtag welcome to Canada tweets or, you know, these proclamation of sanctuary cities without, plan to to deal with the reality that happens when people take them up on their offer and you know we have to think about the people who are in the situation in these homeless shelters they're human beings it's not compassionate towards them it's not compassionate towards people who are trying to legally enter canada who've got spouses and family members who have been you know waiting for years to come in through legal entryways and it's not fair to the canadian taxpayer We're saying, you know, there's a lot of other things that we need to get in order in Canada. How does this fit into this? So, you know, the the frustration for me has been watching immigration, you know, and nobody, no party's perfect on this, but watching immigration become, you know, more about political games and photo opportunities than asking really tough questions about how we uh, deal with people's lives, people that want to come to this country. And the, the announcement about this, you know, the crisis that's happening in Toronto right now, I think, is is the fruit that has been born of this lack of management over the last year and a half. Um,
1: yeah, but Ms. Rampel, I mean, you know, wouldn't it have been naive of us to think there is a huge migrant and refugee crisis around the world, 65 million displaced people, we have the United States clamping down and and becoming unfriendly, and uh, even with the latest uh, wave of, of these Nigerian migrants, you know, the first thing everybody heard was, oh, these are economic migrants. And then on the weekend, you read about a clash between herders and farmers in Nigeria, and there is a religious overlay to this, Muslims and Christians, uh, you know, killing each other over religion, something that has happened before in Nigeria. So, um, you know, frankly, like, what do we expect? and, And really, how much is this because of the Prime Minister's tweets? You know, this is a really good question. So,
3: you're you're absolutely right in starting with the point that there are over 65 million people on the move in the world right now. I was actually just in Uganda a couple of weeks ago, looking at um, a UN refugee camp that was along the border of the Democratic Republic of Congo, and you know, similar situation. There's tribal warfare in the area. People are migrating to Uganda uh, in, in hopes of safety, and You know, when I was talking to officials in the Ugandan government about, okay, well, what do we do? What's Canada's role? Um, It's interesting because nobody that you talk to says that resettlement can be the only and the first intervention in crisis like this, right? Because the reality is, is that Canada can't resettle 65 million people around the world. So you start asking questions about what should our response be? So you know, we could have a whole other conversation just on well, what's Canada's role in terms of development or aid in situations, and our investments? How how do we the investments that we're we're making abroad? What impact are they having in stopping some of these situations? What are the what are the roles and responsibilities of countries where you see massive corruption in government, gang violence that are causing some of these um, you know mass mass movements? Uh, and then the reality is, is that many people are you know looking to Canada to come to a better life, for a better life, their lives may not be in danger, but they want to seek economic opportunity. How do we welcome those people in the context of a balanced budget, prioritizing um, services for Canadians and whatnot? So that's really where this discussion should be, right? Canada's asylum system was always designed to protect the world's most vulnerable. This is why, you know, I've been in my work, trying to advocate, for example, when we found out that um, genocide survivors of ISIS, the Yazidi people, there were none of them that were included in the initial tranche. Yes, that 30, was 000. terrible. And
1: now we you have know, a small number. We do. Small number. Right.
3: So, so, so now we, like, you know, that's a question that I think we have to ask is how are we prioritizing the world's most vulnerable? And then we have to ask hard questions. Like if somebody has made it to the United States of America, are they still fleeing for their lives? Are they still being persecuted? Um, does the United States still have a very robust asylum system? I would argue yes on all of those points. Um, so, so because the, the first intervention can't be that, if, for, first of all, you know, this is a difficult conversation to have. Not everyone who is claiming asylum in Canada has the same level of persecution as, let's say, a genocide survivor who, are, who is languishing in a UNHCR camp or somebody who is from the LGBTQ community, who let's say is in Iran and is facing death for who they are. So that is my broader issue with what's happening with the hashtag welcome to Canada tweet, right? It was sort of this abdication of responsibility that Canada, the leaders of our country, do need to prioritize the world's most vulnerable and manage a planned orderly migration system. Otherwise, we don't have the resources to properly integrate people when they come to Canada as we're seeing in Toronto with it like we need to house people yeah. right and so so that's where the policy discussion hasn't been and and again going back to my earlier statement my concern has been that it's been more about a focus on you know the photo opportunities or the refugee or these press conferences around sanctuary cities rather than saying okay well, how much money is it going to cost Canadians us to accurate, adequately settle these people, how many people can we bring in with generous social programs, and then what are other ways that we can help with some of the global conflicts around the world um, while recognizing that we have veterans that are homeless in Canada, right? Like so, so, I mean, that's where the policy discussion hasn't been, and that's why I do blame Justin Trudeau for this, because he oversimplified it with that tweet, and he had no plan to deal with Tens of thousands of people coming to Canada upon that um, that, that that invitation, and okay. frankly, yep. peddling false hope. Many uh, of these people will not have their asylum claims validated,
1: as as many don't. Um, uh, please hang on, Ms. Rempel. I'm going to bring in Adam Vaughan. He, of course, is the MP for Spadina Fort York, uh, and he's the Parliamentary Secretary with the big responsibility for Housing and Urban Affairs. Hi, Adam. Hi. How are you? Fine. How are you? Good. Uh, so uh, yesterday you were here reassuring uh, Mayor John Tory that there is federal help on the way for this crisis.
4: Well, there's been federal help injected since our first uh, first budget, so let me take you through a number of different uh, ways to respond to this. First of all, in terms of the immediate situation in Toronto, the shelter crisis, I'm glad that, that uh, the Conservatives realized there is a housing crisis and a shelter crisis in Toronto. I wish they'd done something for the last 10 years. The reason I left City Council was this to, was to rebuild Canada's national housing program, and in particular, to focus on, on getting people from shelters into housing, so that we're not constantly living on the edge of a crisis. But the crisis in the shelter system is not new in toronto we've been operating at 95 percent capacity for well over a decade and so what we've done with the 40 billion dollar investment in housing is restructure that process For the long term, and are working and creating a much better housing system which gets people out of shelters, which then allows us to deal with these migration surges. And these migration surges, yes, some are across the border, but we've had extraordinary displacement of populations in Canada in the last five years. When the Fort McMurray fires happened, 88,000 people required emergency shelter. If you're operating your emergency housing shelter system across the country at full capacity, you have no way to respond to natural disasters. And we're now seeing natural disasters uh, largely due to climate. Climate change being driven in, with floods in New Brunswick, floods in Gatineau, floods in Manitoba, where 1,500 people two years later are still displaced from their home communities. We have got to rethink the way in which we do housing in this country, and we have to rethink the way we do emergency shelters. So, 40 billion dollars in a 10-year plan is being put in place as we speak. But in the interim, we've already tripled the transfers to the provinces, uh, and we've already doubled the amount of money we're spending on homelessness at the federal level.
1: But Adam, Adam that, let me just an additional
4: 10 million dollars is 11 million dollars being set aside for Ontario to deal with the current migration surge.
1: But, uh, okay, so that's money on the one side, but...
4: It's real housing in, in many communities right now.
1: But I, I'm not even understanding what happens in a month from now when those 800 people who are in dorms have to leave. I don't. Where are they going to go?
4: So on, on the immediate situation confronting communities like Toronto, which, and, and it's not just Toronto, it's municipalities across Ontario, uh, Cornwall, London, Hamilton, and Ottawa are all dealing with similar... Pressures on their systems, different scale because of the size of the cities. That's the eleven million dollars, which is not the only money we're spending. It's the initial uh, dollars we we tried to advance to, to to take care of some of the immediate pressures. And we have been working for the last three months with the provinces, and in particular Ontario, Quebec, that are experiencing the highest numbers, to put in place a triage system, which is not just about processing the claims, but it's also about redistributing the 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 flow of people into a into a system that has capacity. Sometimes outside major centers, so that so the province manages the creates a system to redistribute the pressure with our federal funding support, and then local service providers deliver the on the ground uh, service. We've done this in Quebec. We we have stemmed the crisis in Quebec as a result. It's not just Montreal and Quebec City they're handling the, the the inflow communities right across the province are doing this we have a similar system ready to go in Ontario the election interrupted the execution of that because it requires ministerial consent and sign-off and, and cabinet approval at the provincial level to, to activate but as soon as we have a new government in two days in Ontario we've been talking with Ontario's uh, the civil servants we're ready to go with that we know that the provincial government is not going to perpetuate a problem here um, like all good Canadians when someone's in trouble we don't ask you where you're from we ask how we can help and we know the province is ready to help those dollars, that system, the, the, the plan of action to deal with what's coming in, in August is part of that plan. That being said, Um, we we have got to get away in Toronto in particular, but nationally this is very true, away from running emergency shelter systems for the homeless uh, that that absorb all of our our, our emergency capacity planning uh, financing. We have got to get into a different housing system because the new normal globally is is, is that massive displacement of people is becoming more and more volatile and more and more frequent. And So whether it's 88,000 people in Fort McMurray or whether it's 80 people crossing the border in Quebec a day, whatever the situation Is we need to have a housing system that can manage it in an effective and and an an affordable way. Then, in terms of the, the issue about global settlement and about refugee systems, the notion that we haven't put built a better and stronger immigration system over the last three years is absolutely absurd. Uh, the reality is 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 that we've restored healthcare supports. We've restored um, uh, funding to the system to get people processed faster, so they get work permits instead of social assistance. We have invested heavily in making sure uh, that that um, there is support and training, and, and English language training in particular for for new arrivals. The previous government cut in every one of those departments, and now is saying we're not doing enough. But I can tell you on the Yazidi file, the, the one that, that uh, Michelle Rempel just talked yeah, and
1: about. Yeah, I want to bring her in for a Yezidi bit while, of reaction with, when,
4: she, when she very. <laughs> Adam, so
1: Adam, looked, so I want to get in yeah, with, the, with the, Yeah, I Adam, Adam, has, thought. Adam, let let her respond, please. Uh, Michelle, could could you l- l- let's not relitigate the the Yazidi issue? I we've we've. No, no, I, I want to start. I but want for the for the immediate. That. Sorry, for the immediate problem that we are facing here in Toronto. Yep. Um, michelle uh, is is the government's approach do you think the right approach? How would you handle it, or do you think it'll solve the problem
3: Well, first of all, we didn't have thirty thousand people legally crossing the border and claiming asylum under our government, second of all, to equate the Fort McMurray fires with the and, and people being displaced there with allowing tweeting hashtag welcome to Canada and then allowing tens of thousands of people that by the government's own admission don't have valid asylum. And that's means.
4: a false equivalence.
3: Well, you made the equivalency. So no,
4: I'm glad I, you really I, I talked about needing an emergency housing system, system third, that can deal with displaced well, people. Well,
1: yeah, I, I, I think we all agree that there's a, a crisis around the world. It's not just Justin Trudeau's tweets. Yeah, uh, like, I and, mean, that's... And That's this problem of, is not going to get, it's not going to go away. It's probably going to get worse given exactly. what's going around on around the world. So um, the, the third, m- if I can go through the rest of this, yeah. as well, the, third,
3: the third third component is, do you notice how liberals always talk about we spent hundreds of millions of dollars? But the reality is is that they haven't done enough. Like, I mean, well, how many housing shelter spots did they create in Toronto for all of that money? doesn't seem like much, right? The fourth component is, you know, Adam's trying to p- pull this away from the core issue here, right? Which is the fact the government is allowing thousands of people every month to illegally cross the border. And did you notice the wording that he used? He tried to spin somehow or, or negate, like the fact that they're they're actually taking people and putting them on buses and bussing them to parts unknown with no plan to dump them in homeless shelters in other parts of the country. That's I mean, what how I how
1: compassionate and humane is that? Well, as if there's then, no room yes for them in is. Toronto, um, we should probably uh, at least send them somewhere else.
4: So let me address two so things that so we just raised now. Let me address two things. Okay, today. we
3: need you to talk one to at one a time. With no plan? Like, no. I'm so tired of this Liberal government saying, oh, we'll, we'll put people on a bus, and what are you going to do when Winnipeg's full? full? Why aren't we addressing the problem here, which is the fact that the safe third country agreement should apply to the entire border? And frankly, I think that we also need to have a chat about the opportunity cost of all the money that's being spent to prioritize work permits for people who are illegally entering the country, as opposed to looking at ways to help people legally enter the country. There is an opportunity cost there. The hundreds of millions of dollars that we're spending there, instead of just being on housing, add-on effects, health care system weight, issues with primary with primary education, these are all strains on the system. And now... What the government is teeing up to do is to blame Doug Ford for this before he's even in office. I mean, this is classic liberal mismanagement and spin. You notice how Adam keeps trying to take it away from the fact that they're allowing all these people to cross
1: the border without solving that problem. Because the government's weak on this. So is and your, uh, so is, so so is is your solution system. not to me, I, I to appreciate. arrest them at the border?
4: I, I appreciate that, mm. that, that that Michelle's response is to simply turn them back at the border and, and let the Americans deal with them. and And, you know... When when people arrive at, 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 at certain points of entry without without a legitimate claim, that's exactly what does happen for people that that whose whose claim does not meet the test and, and, do and you the have, of Canada. Do you
1: have a number on that? People turn back at the border, actually. Yeah,
4: well, I, I can I can I can get you that number. It's, it's not at my fingertips. But but the issue is this the world, because like the next. issue I was asked to come to talk about is is how we're processing yeah. those people that are inside the country that are our, become our legal responsibility. And on that front, uh, we're not bussing them to places where we don't know. We have a, a very strong triage system. Unlike the, unlike other where are examples. you sending them? Where are you sending them? Well, they are they are being what what, what the in, in Quebec where? where the system is up and operating. What what Quebec has done is it is identified. Where
1: are you sending I'm, them? I'm Adam? Answering i answering the
4: question very- without yeah, being interrupted. I, 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 no.
1: Let him answer, please
4: what what has happened is the province has mapped out their shelter system and mapped out where capacity is they've also mapped out where assets such as motels and other uh, house, temporary housing facilities are because let's be let's be honest the numbers are are are, are shrinking we're down to less than 50 a day we're we less than 50 a day across the border. In April it was 80, it it spikes and and, and ebbs and flows. But the reality is this, is that we have got a provincial system that triages those that have been accepted to make an asylum claim. It then then assigns them places to to, to live while their claim is being processed and their, and their, their claim for refugee status is being assessed by the Immigrant Refugee Board. We know exactly where they're going. We know exactly what services need to be delivered. We are funding those services through an administrative process. The, the system is designed by the province. It is administered and delivered locally and it's funded federally. And it's a system that we have ready to go in Ontario that will do exactly the same thing. We rec recognize that some people want to migrate to toronto we recognize the big cities um because especially because we're giving people work permits who have had their claims legitimized uh we know that the work is in sometimes the major urban centers and in that situation uh, we are also recognizing that not all the migrants once they get their work permit are ending up in shelters it's those that are in a transitionary state and we're measuring very carefully how long they need to stay there but the reality is this is that that we have a systemic Adam, Adam in place, let me just ask, it.
1: Let me just ask you this for those who have work permits how are they going to afford a place to live?
4: Well, if you come through a country, and, you, and, I, and while we were talking about in the Toronto. National Housing Strategy the other day, the, the leader of the Conservative Party shouted at me that the federal government shouldn't spend any money on housing and that it was a provincial responsibility. We don't oh, take that position. Baloney. The position that we, exactly take, what said. The position we take is that, that, is that we're, 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 we've inherited a government that did not spend money on housing. and In fact, they shrunk their housing expenditure year three after years, year. And you're
3: spending and so, billions of dollars, Adam, on people who are illegally crossing the border when there are thousands of people who are homeless in ontario and we have York, to do and, and, and you're saying yeah, you that you're prioritizing work permits for people no. who have their claims valid it's
4: not, you've asked for the systemic approach michelle both and we're giving you, 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 are you okay we've got this is this is no, not
1: I, productive I both, to have you both I, shouting i this am is, so
2: frustrated
1: with the liberal
3: mismanagement on this and so many other canadians are do you hear
1: this um, um, Michelle, it, Michelle. Okay, we are. Ah! Uh, I have to get to my calls, but Ms. Rempel. So, just in uh, in a, in about a minute, can you wrap up what you think they should be doing or what you would be doing, please? Yes.
3: Prioritize a planned, orderly migration system by closing the loophole on the Safe Third Country Agreement to ensure that it applies to the entire border, which will disincent people who do not have valid asylum claims from illegally crossing the border and placing uh, placing strain on our health care and social assistance programs, number one. Number two, stop trying to spin that spending. And and that's the thing. The the Liberals won't tell you this, but it is going to cost billions of dollars in health care, housing, processing costs, deportation costs over the next 10 years to deal with this crisis right now. Stop prioritizing the money on that. Prioritize it on people who are trying to legally enter the country and Canadians who are in need, like veterans, like uh, homeless in, 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 in Ontario. And stop using funding as a metric, the Liberals haven't created any new homeless shelters. And of course, Adam can't tell you where these people are going to go because they don't have a plan and they don't want those cities to freak out the same way that Toronto is right now. This is all cloak and dagger, no plan work that is, you know, fundamentally undermining Canadians' uh, social license to accept immigration in this country. And that's
4: the disappointment. Okay, Michelle, just
1: a minute. Michelle?
4: Just nonsense.
1: Just a minute. Adam, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. Uh, But we're running out of time on this segment. So, Michelle Rempel, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you. Okay. Um, I'm sure that we will talk about this again. And then be, before we start getting to our callers, I'm going to get, let uh, Adam Vaughn uh, just where are we at on this? Um, you're waiting another couple of days until the Conservatives take power so you can put this plan in place,
4: correct? There is a provincial plan ready to go. It, it, we have federal support to make it happen and we have local partners that have been identified as part of the process to 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 house this current surge the notion that you can't do both that you can't serve veterans that, or a, a, and migrants that you can't serve the homeless and you can't serve people looking for shelter um, you know we can do both the previous government didn't either and and in terms of the, the this notion that, that it''s, it's, it's it, it, we, we haven't regulated the system we have completely reinvested into border security as well as into the immigration system So that the processing times have been cut from the three and four years and the backlogs of the Conservatives just three years ago into much shorter processing times, much more effective and fair processing times that separate those that need uh, shelter from those that don't. And on the final point on the, on the, on the safe third-party agreement, we've got the NDP saying that we should scrap it entirely, and we've got the Conservatives that say we should, uh, uh, we should effectively build a legal wall across the border between the United States and Canada. Neither one of those two extreme positions are going to function well within an immigration system. We have a, a temporary and, and hopefully an episodic situation uh, that we are managing, and we, you can see it effectively reducing numbers as we work with our global partners to cut the stem of people coming through the United States to Canada through irregular systems and getting them back into the UN-regulated system that we lean heavily on. And we are investing heavily in making sure that, 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 that we have a regulated, fundamentally sound process that is fair to Canadians and respects Canadian law, but also respects international obligations. The, you know, when, when we settled 1,500 Yazidi women, Michelle Rempel voted against benefits and support for them. So she can't have it both ways. She can't demand a system and then criticize that we're spending money on a system. Well, there were, We are there were effectively a lot of people dealing with the situation, and we are investing the resources them. necessary to get the positive results we need. But we're also doing that while investing in a national housing strategy, also doing that while, while investing heavily in foreign development, foreign defense, and better diplomacy abroad.
1: Okay, At the same and-
4: time, we are also making sure that the, the processes that are in place, as I said, respect law, and and, and meet international obligations. And we can do both at the same time. We don't have to do neither at the same time, which is exactly the position the previous government left us.
1: Okay. Adam Vaughn, thanks very much for that. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to take some of your calls. People have been waiting very patiently. uh, So uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back, and we'll take your calls before we move on to the next subject. Welcome back. Well, we were just speaking to Michelle Rempel, the uh, conservative critic for immigration, and Adam Vaughn, who is a parliamentary secretary with responsibility for housing and urban affairs, and is promising federal dollars to relieve the pressure from asylum claimants here in Toronto. Uh, they were talking over each other a lot, so uh, I hope that uh, you had a chance to make up your mind about what they were saying. So. Let Let's get to the phones. We've got Joyce in Scarborough. Hello, Joyce. Hi, Libby. Okay, I'm very, very tired of the
5: liberal spin and uh, and crap. Uh, uh, okay, uh, where are these people coming from? The states? Why? Like, why aren't? I, I think it's Cornwall. Uh, we should have military and everything. All those um, places that they can come in. They have to be turned back to to the states. Now, uh, when Mr. Vaughn talks about all this money, guess what? It's your money, Libby. It's my money, uh, and we we have proper rules for immigration. All the holes along where they're coming in have to be.
1: Blocked or stopped or whatever. That wouldn't be free either. Joyce, I think I get your drift. You are agreeing with Ms. Rempel, who says that we should turn them back at the border. Thanks for your call. We've got Anna in London. Hello, Anna. Hello, Libby. How are you? Fine. How are you? I'm great. Um, I
5: actually have to say, you know, I firsthand had an experience with uh, Fort McMurray. Uh, my husband was evacuated there. And uh, as far as Mr. Adam was saying, you know, he just likes to talk and he likes to talk money, but nothing was ever done. All the um, apparently they had said that the government was going to um, match every dollar that the Red Cross gave. And all they got was six hundred dollars from the government. Red Cross gave only twelve hundred and fifty dollars. And when I called the Red Cross and I said, but I thought you guys raised all these millions of dollars, their response was, well, uh, we need it for future disasters. And so, you know what, with these refugees as well, um, why should it be our problem?
1: Well, you know what, it's the whole world's problem. It really is. I mean, I just really think that we are naive to think that a problem that is so big around the entire world, I mean, we've got geography, we've got an ocean, but I think it's naive to think that it's not going to touch us in some way, but we have to decide how we're going to deal with it. Um, And uh, I get what you're saying, Anna. Thanks for your call.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.